What a blessing it is to see so many faces up here leading us in worship this morning. It truly is joyful. With that said, our scripture text for today comes from Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 14 to 20. Let us hear God's word to us. Sing, daughter Zion, shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day, they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord, your God, is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. I will remove from you all who mourn over the loss of your appointed festivals, which is a burden and reproach for you. At that time, I will deal with all who oppressed you. I will rescue the lame. I will gather the exiles. I will give them praise and honor in every land where they have suffered shame. At that time, I will gather you. At that time, I will bring you home. I will give you honor and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your very eyes, says the Lord. Now, if you read the book of Zephaniah in its entirety, most of it is not very cheery. It's actually rather glum. Zephaniah is a prophet, and as a prophet, he has the unfortunate task of telling the people of God that judgment is about to come on them, that their kingdom, the wonderful and powerful kingdom that they are a part of, is about to fall, that their great nation will not be a great nation much longer. He has the unfortunate task of calling God's people out for their idolatry and for their complacent wickedness. But... He finishes this prophecy about the coming gloom and doom and judgment with sing, be glad, rejoice with all your heart. Demise, a fallen kingdom, idolatry, wickedness, then rejoice. How is there joy in the face of all this disaster? Zephaniah seems sure that joy is not a result of fortunate circumstances. He doesn't positively say that things will get better. He doesn't say, don't worry, things will turn a corner. In fact, Zephaniah does the exact opposite of this. He tells the Israelites that things are about to get worse. They will be defeated. Their kingdom will fall. They will be in exile. Things are not going to get better. But still, he says, rejoice. So we know from this that joy is not just positive attitude. Joy is not just happiness or laughter or smiles after a good day. It's not even a response to somebody doing something cute or funny. Can't be. I don't see any puppies or adorable little babies here in Zephaniah. So then is joy simply a personality trait? Some have it and others don't. If that's the case, I blame my parents for the genetics that I have and the lack of joy that's supposed to be deep within me. 
I just don't have the disposition for joy. It just doesn't suit me very well. But it can't be that. Because joy isn't a new tailored suit. I can't try it on and throw it out if it doesn't fit across the shoulders or if it's not tight enough in the waist. Joy is not happiness. It's not positivity. It's not a personality trait. This joy thing must go deeper than that. It must be about something else. But what? What is joy? Where does it come from? And why, as a culture, do we have so little of it? Probably because we, much like the Israelites, have too many idols to have any joy. You see, when the Israelites started worshiping other gods, when the Israelites placed idols in front of God, they began to have a society that was never happy with what they had. They perpetually wanted more because what they had was never enough. They were certain that they needed whatever all the other kingdoms had. The Israelites suffered from the grass-is-always-greener complex. We do, too. And that's why we struggle to find any joy. We are so sure that what we have is not enough. And we are so sure that somebody else has got it better. When our jobs get hard, we think about everybody else. Well, the school I work for just has a lousy principal. That other school has it easy. They have a great principal and enough teachers to share the workload. Well, that girl is cute, but I don't really like her accent and I'm not really sure about her style, so maybe I'll try dating someone else. Well, that church has no problems. Did you catch it? That church has no problems, and everyone gets along, so maybe I'll go over there. Because it's not so hard to love people. The grass is always greener on the other side. It's the new diet pill that's good, the new job that is great, that new friend that's cooler than the ones you already have, the new iPhone that's faster than the iPhone you currently have. The grass is always greener. The Israelites had this same complex. They complained about being slaves in Egypt, and God delivered them. Then they complained about being in the desert and wanted to go back to Egypt. Egypt was easier than wandering about the desert. The grass is always greener. The Israelites wanted a king because every other kingdom had a king. The Israelites wanted more wealth and more power because the other nations had it. More, 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 wanting anything and everything that others already had. The grass is always greener. But joy, joy is the counter to the grass is always greener complex. It is the counter to things not being enough. Zephaniah pushes against a culture that has become convinced that they don't have enough. He pushes against a culture of people who have started to worship idols instead of God because they needed more and God wasn't enough. They need more, because the grass is always greener just over there. But joy and idolatry cannot exist together. When idolatry takes hold of our lives, it makes us believe that we need more, that we don't have enough, that everything is better somewhere else. Joy is the only response that we have to fight that. 
The person who is filled with joy is a person who looks at everything right in front of them and decides that you don't need more. No, instead we must choose to sing, be glad, rejoice with all your heart, just with what you have. The person who is filled with joy is the one who can see that the grass in front of them is green enough. We often think of children as examples of joy, as people who bring joy to our lives. Kids, especially when they're young, find complete contentment in the simplest of things. A really young child will open up all of his Christmas gifts on Christmas morning, and then you'll find them playing with the cardboard box, pretending it's a rocket ship. The box is fun enough. Zephaniah is speaking to a group of people that thinks it needs more. He is speaking to a group of people that has been so gripped by idolatries of every kind. So he calls them to repent, to turn back to God, and to rejoice because the grass is green enough. Zephaniah tells the people of God that they can strive for more all they want. They can compare themselves to other kingdoms all they want, and they won't succeed in getting more. In fact... They will get less. What they have will be taken from them. Because joy and idolatry cannot exist together. If you have idols in your life, it will be hard for you to find joy. You might even find that as you strive for more, you will get less. You will never be happy with how you look or what you have or what gifts you have. Joy is a hard lesson to learn because it's the counter to a society that is so sure that the grass is always greener somewhere else. In the end, Zephaniah's prophecy ends with joy because some will repent and turn back to God. A remnant of Israel will be saved. God will keep his covenant with his people. But to get that joy, they must get rid of their idols first. My grandmother used to show up to my house really early every Sunday morning before church. Around 6 o'clock in the morning, she would barge right through the front door, stomp up the steps, and loudly sing throughout the house, rise and shine and give God the glory. There was no way to sleep through this. So grumpy and cranky, my siblings and I would roll out of bed to find my grandmother already happily cleaning the kitchen, washing the dishes, and starting on Sunday lunch. Just an ordinary day. But she's still saying, rise and shine and give God the glory. Those who are filled with joy can look at any day and decide that it is good. At any given moment, they can say, rise and shine and give God the glory and mean it. They can look around and see that the grass where they're standing is green enough. At Christmas time, especially, joy counters all of our unhealthy desires for more. Joy fights against our idolatries because what we have in front of us just isn't enough. It fights against our idols of beauty and vanity, of power and wealth, of success and pride. Idols lie to us, telling us that we don't have joy because we don't have that. 
but joy fights against this. Grass is always greener complex. Zephaniah promise to the Israelites came true. The kingdom fell. The Israelites were exiled. Their idols, their desire for more was not enough. But God kept his promise and saved a remnant of Israel. And out of that remnant came a baby boy. A baby boy that would save the world. A baby boy that would be wrapped in swaddling cloths and laid in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. While this was not a birth fit for a king, it was enough. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Turn back to God and sing joy to the world. The Lord is come. Receive your king. And when you do, you'll find that the grass where you're standing is green enough. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in a world that needs joy, we turn to you to find it. We ask that you fill us with the joy that is deep, a joy that comes only from you. Send us out this morning filled to the brim with excitement for the coming of the Messiah. Help us be people who bring joy to those who in this season especially need to see it and feel it. For all those who are lonely or sick or tired, for all those who have been hit with hard times for this world, where at every turn there is another tragedy plastered all over the news, Give us your wellspring of joy. When we draw from the wells of salvation, teach us to give thanks to you and to exalt your name in all the nations. Teach us in the ways of righteousness. Teach us in the ways of joy. And guide us even now as we pray the prayer that you taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debts. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever.